It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They have won the Rachel Hayhofer Trophy. Well, haven't we witnessed some absolutely sensational test cricket? Ash Gardner, take a bow. Welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast, and let's go for it. Let's address it. Nikki, we we haven't recorded one of these in a while. We are on our knees begging the listeners for their forgiveness that we have been so neglectful, but we've had a lot going on. We have had so much going on. Like, what day of the week is it? What month is it? I have no idea. I mean, I literally don't know because I took some annual leave on Thursday and Friday this week and it has thrown my head off. Every single day, I think I'm going back to work the next day and I get the, the Sunday scaries. But I was getting Sunday scaries on Friday. So I, I'm not really sure where I am. I've been to London. I've been to Manchester. I'm now back in Bristol. I don't actually know if I'm existing on a tangible kind of level anymore. I think I'm just a floating being. I'm... I'm 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 all over the place. I'm tired, but I'm excited to be seeing you because we haven't spoken in so long. It's been absolutely ages and there's so much to catch up on as well. So tell me what's been going on in your life. Well, I've obviously we all know that I started my new job recently. So it's been a month in the office now working for my, my wonderful law firm. So I'm enjoying that. I'm learning so many things. So if anyone needs um help with doing some stamp duty, oh wait, I'm looking at you, Nikki. And you, producer Matt, two people who have just moved house. So you've got a real estate lawyer you're looking at right now. Any tips you need? Any advice? We're all done and dusted, I'm afraid, Mel. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I mean, we were just watching you desperately trying to locate some headphones in the boxes you're surrounded in. I'm not really sure I could give you advice on where you packed your headphones. Honestly, this room, if you could see it right now, there are like 20 boxes and mirrors and photo frames everywhere. I have to like... like tiptoe over everything it's like um what's that game called where twister it's like twister get trying to get into the desk i mean i was gonna say almost like a total wipeout course yeah so i've been working i made my men's international cricket commentary debut just yesterday on afghanistan versus bangladesh which 
arguably was a, a pretty horrific game, actually. It was slow. I got into Manchester at 1am. I had to wake up at 4.30am to be in the studio at 5am. I completely crashed in the second innings, chugged pretty much a litre of energy drink and then showed the most energy I've had all of the game. When Bangladesh, I think they only needed 40 runs to win. I think they took about 15 overs to get it. But I was commentating like it was the most exciting, riveting cricket I've ever seen because my sugar levels were so, so high. Wow, I don't know how you operate with no sleep. I would be so miserable. Like three hours of sleep, I would actually like probably punch someone. I was I was lucky I had a, a, a brilliant team around me. And obviously, yeah, very excited to, to commentate on my first men's international. I've got two more coming up, I think. Sri Lanka, Netherlands and New Zealand, Pakistan. So should be nice. Make the trip up to Manchester, see some of my colleagues, the ones who haven't flown out to India. I'm very jealous of, of those who have because we've all been talking about it and we all feel such strong FOMO. But yeah, so I'm having a good time. I'm busy. Nikki, what about you? Because you've moved house. We've moved house. Well, obviously I was in Miami, then I went to Kuala Lumpur. I came back and then it was the end of the county championship. So I was up in Worcestershire, in Edgebaston. I got back and we moved house. And now I've just like, I don't know where to start. Like, I just need to breathe. I feel like I just want to go somewhere and just escape and like sit on a beach and have like a margarita or something. We, we both seem quite stressed. So should we just book a spa weekend, do you think? Should we do it? Let's just do it. Yeah. We can invoice Simon. We'll invoice Simon like we're stressed. <laughs> well, this is important to the quality of the podcast that we both get to go and have facials, maybe get a back massage, maybe a four-course dinner or five, maybe five. Yeah, company wellness. Exactly, exactly. And you mentioned the county championship. You've been doing some really exciting training. Yes, so um, I did some of my TMS training with uh, Artif up in Edgebaston, which was really cool. Um, yeah, Artif's a great guy and it, it was it was so insightful as well. But that was the um, Warwickshire versus Northamptonshire game that I was up there for. So yeah, unfortunately, he was also really excited about going to India, but his visa didn't come through. So like, I was telling him, when you're here, you need to do this. When you're there, you need to do that. And then unfortunately, that hasn't worked out for him. Bless him. Well, big love to Artif because that must be gutting for him. And he's one of the nicest people in the industry. And it's great to hear that you're getting TMS training. And one day in the future, it could be me and you. We're probably not sat next to each other because we'd both be going for ball by ball commentary. But maybe doing a handover to each other and me going and next on for her TMS debut, it's Nikki Chowdhury. Oh, just wait for the day. Manifest, manifest. Right. Let's talk about some cricket because that's what we're here for. This is actually our end of season review, but much like the England women, we had to have a bit of time off just to process everything that's happened. But first of all, that the final game in the series, it was a, it was a bit of a cracker. Inevitably, you could say in some ways, because the year Charlotte Edwards has had winning the WPL, she was runners-up in the Big Bash, she's won the Charlotte Edwards Trophy, the 100, and now the Rachel Heo Flint Trophy. It was between the Vipers at the Blaze, at Northampton, and I mean, the Vipers were just their Vipers' self. They literally ran through the Blaze, a, a team who has literally been pretty flawless up until the end of the competition. I, I don't know whether that was the kind of telling of the tale, Nikki, that the Vipers had to win essentially their last four games in that final four rounds and the Blaze had a bit of a wobble. And it's all about that mindset going into the final, but the, the Vipers aced it. Yeah, they definitely did. I think Charlotte Edwards, if there's one thing she hasn't done yet, she needs to write a book, right, on how to win. Because 
the track record she has, she just needs to write a book, like a guide, a guide to winning by Charlotte Edwards. Do you think this is like just in cricket? Or in life, because I would love like Charlotte Edwards to tell me, mm, you know that lime scale you've got in, in the shower? This is how you get rid of it. <laughs> um, I don't know. You can drop in that proposal as well if you want. But let's look at the, the, the kind of layout of that final, because the Blaze batted first. And really, it was Tammy Beaumont who offered that resistance, scoring a half century. We knew that she was going to get runs. We knew that she would be a threat. But something really changed when she got out. And the Vipers, spinners, it was the spinners. We knew it would be the spinners. They played such an important role. End of season kind of ground where the ball was starting to turn a bit more. And no one really in the blaze, apart from Monroe, who got 30-odd, was able to, to put up much resistance in the end. One thing or one person I do want to talk about, though, is winning Windsor. Like, what is the coincidence that every time there is a crucial crunch game, Emily Windsor is there to see it through? Well, I want to talk about Emily Windsor because something we, we try and do a lot on this podcast is, is champion, you know, and, and call out the voices of those players who perform consistently at a domestic level but haven't had those shots at England A, potentially because they're, they're in their mid-20s, which obviously means that, you know, one foot in the grave, got the, they've got the bus pass ready and that's... Well, it seems like it to be, but Emily Windsor has been consistently performing for for so long. And, you know, these last two seasons, it feels like she's really come into her own. And she she got some brilliant coaching across the 100 as well with the Welsh Fire, where she did mention and say, my power hitting game has completely changed. She plays spin well. She plays through the offside well. She's attacking to pace. I don't know what's stopping her from getting into those England A squads. Is it because she's, you know, she only has batting as her skill? Because I I don't think you should have to be an all-rounder to get back in. And also, she will make me say this right now, that I've seen her bowl and she's got an absolutely killer back-of-the-hand slur ball, but she makes like the loudest kind of grunt sound when she releases it, which is hilarious and so off-putting to the batter. But she's a gun fielder, she's a gun batter. What else does she have to do to get into that England A squad and then be able to advance upwards from there? I think if it's based on the fact that everyone needs to be all-rounders, I think that's pretty, like silly if I'm honest because if you look around especially in the men's game there are so many players in teams in Australia India Pakistan who are pretty much just focused if if they are all-rounders yes but there's plenty of guys in the side who are just batters and they're very good at that as well for example India's captain right now I think India Australia going on in that world cup Rohit Sharma he doesn't do anything else apart from captain and bat right so would you say would you not have him in the side because he doesn't bowl what else does he bring to the team so it's I think that's not a huge argument like if that's a reason that perhaps she's been told or that could be on the cards or people get told um yeah that's a bit it's a bit lame it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the Australia India game going on right now as we're recording because when you suggested twelve thirty record time originally I was thinking is this in the exact interval of that game so that you can keep watching. My big question for you, Nikki, quickly, is that during the Women's Ashes, you were supporting Australia. You were you decided they were your team and now your your beloved India is playing against your beloved Australia. Is your mind all over the place? No, it isn't. I think my heart's set on the men in blue for this entire tournament. Um, that's, yeah, that, that wouldn't happen. Don't worry, I wasn't in that, at that crossroad when this match started. Um, definitely supporting India all the way through. 
probably for the best looking at the scorecard right now. But, you know, we, we say the batters, and I mentioned how positive spin was for, for the Vipers against the Blaze. Something which we brought up on commentary yesterday when speaking about the men's players for Bangladesh, for Afghanistan, India, Pakistan, where there are more spin-friendly pitches. There's almost as much spin bold in those conditions as there is in the women's game domestically, even in countries like England, Australia. And I just was kind of wondering that, you know, should we have a greater coaching influence of players who have played on those spinning pitches in the English women's domestic game? Because England have admitted they have issues against spin. They've got a tour up against India. Do you think this is a, a real good opportunity for the England women to kind of reach out to people who have played in those conditions more and said, look, we need a bit more help on, on playing spin? I don't know what you think. No, 100%. Like, if you've got that intel there, that knowledge, then you'd be pretty daft not to take that on, honestly. Like, someone's been there, done walked the walk, done everything they have first-hand experience on how to play and how what, what your mindset should be and all of those things that go with playing against spin in the subcontinent, for example, as you just mentioned. If someone's done it and has been successful at it, I think that's also important. You just don't go and ask any Tom, Dick and Harry being like, oh, you went on that tour, you played in India and you've... Like, so someone who's been actually done well and then obviously got the expertise and knowledge, then it would... It would be a huge loss if you didn't yeah I just I was just thinking it at the time and kind of going you know when you look at that scorecard between the Vipers and the Blaze and there was three wickets for Lindsay Smith she's had an incredible year two for Charlie Dean two for Georgia Adams Ava Lee didn't get any wickets but she bowled really economically there needs to be a better playing of spin in the women's domestic game and that's something I'd really like to see going forward next year yeah, definitely. And I think just going back onto that, for example, I think England women have that tour planned to India to practice playing spin out in Mumbai in a couple of months or towards the back end of the year. So it's all well and good going to India, right? Like we've, you go to India, you try and play like on those Indian tracks and learn how to play against spin, but you need to have the right person there to guide you. Taking the same setup and then going and doing exactly the same thing over there, it's you're not going to get much out of it unless you've got someone there guiding you, being like, you know what, on this sort of red soil, this is what you want to do, this is how the, it will come off a bit slower, you're not going to have, like, you need to have someone there who's actually done it and can explain it and break it down. Taking the same setup and just changing the environment is not going to create a huge difference. If you're struggling here with, like, the knowledge that you've got, or you maybe not be as confident, or whatever it could be that is causing the lack of spin awareness and playing dominating spin taking the same setup and just changing the environment you're not changing what the intel is you're not changing what someone's saying to you because you can do that anywhere you could like take someone from india or pakistan and bring them here and then still have the same thing but now if you couple both the knowledge and the conditions that's probably when you're going to make the most out of it and that sri lanka tour really exposed the the fragilities of england in playing spin going back to the rachel ho flint trophy for you nikki what was the most memorable moment or the player you were most impressed by in, in the, that 50-over competition? I'm probably going to go with Bryony Smith, which I think she was the second highest run scorer in the tournament just after Danny Wyatt. And obviously she had a pretty decent season that she's been picked up in the Big Bash as well. So Bryony's been pretty good for the Southeast Stars and um, she's obviously um, managed to luck out with the Big Bash as well. So that's good, great for her. See, I'm going to go... 
similar lines, Southie stars Paige Schofield, just because of the way she started off the season from being in that Vipers setup, hardly getting a chance out there in the middle, facing, you know, seven to ten balls in some games, because that Vipers top order is so great. That move to the stars, I just thought was such a brilliant choice from her. She made those early centuries early on in the season and it, it made me happy to see that early movement of players at the start of the season because it's full credit to the professionalisation of the women's game that players can now take their games into their own hands, go, I'm not quite getting what I want from this setup. I'm going to move and completely seizing that opportunity. It's, it's just been been brilliant for her and I'm sure she's going to go on to get plenty more runs next season as well. Paige's move was really good because she's been able to like take that opportunity and like she's been given the platform at the Southeast Stars. But somebody else who's recently just been coming into the limelight is and have, was in a similar situation down at the Vipers where they weren't getting opportunity was Ariana Dow. So she's now moved to Sunrises and she signed her first professional contract. And I think she scored 100 in her first game as well. So from not getting an opportunity down at the Vipers, obviously, like, you probably think that's so congested down there with so much talent. But now Ariana's moved and she's managed to pick up her first contract. So that's absolutely brilliant for her. And Ariana's someone I've played cricket with for, for years and years, actually, because we were in the Seven Vipers Academy together. And as you say, for a moment, it looked like she was going to be the obvious replacement for the Vipers for, for Carla Rudd. And then when they signed Chloe Hill, Rihanna Southby, Ariana's kind of went out the picture a bit. She did a lot of touring with Fairbreak. She went over to Australia to play some, some cricket there. And, you know, I was so happy to, to see her get that opportunity, get that professional contract. She, she's so, so lovely. And as you say, it, it's brilliant to see this kind of player movement and just saying look I'm needing you seen and perhaps needing you coaching style and then just having that opportunity to go up a lot has happened it has been so jam-packed you you don't blame the players for most of them going off and going on holiday now which most of which I'm very jealous of because the English weather hasn't been all that great although this weekend very nice I'm enjoying this this 23 degrees down here in Bristol today it's not very October global warming what (laughs) global warming has entered the chat um (laughs) But it means that I can have the windows open and yet another week where I don't have to put the heating on. But the national team, it's been an eventful summer and we've had young players make their debuts. We've had some kind of shock results with England making that comeback in the Ashes, with Sri Lanka winning that T20 series. We're not going to go into massive depths because we did those Rashes breakdowns and we've done end of season reviews for the international stuff. But just quickly, I'm going to ask you three questions and... You know me, Nikki, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want your England player of the summer, your Australian player of the summer, and your Sri Lankan player of the summer. Oh, my goodness. Okay, um, I'm going to go with, for my Australian player of the summer, hold on. Oh, of course you do Australia first. Classic Nikki style. I'm going to go back to that test match, okay? I'm going to go back to the first, the one and only test match where Ash Gardner won Australia the match after her brilliant spell of 8 for 66 on the final day. So um, again, I think that also goes to highlight the spin situation that we mentioned earlier as well. So um, yeah, that match where England succumbed to an 89 run defeat and it was pretty much Ash Gardner's day. Okay, so we've got Ash Gardner. She's been added. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine that... You, you're getting to have a nice dinner party with all of the three players you choose. So that's an extra element of it. So you've got Ash Gardner sat at the table. She's tucking into the pre, pre-meal snacks. Who's your England player? Oh, my England player. I'm going to go not based on 
like generic overall performance throughout the summer but I think I'm going to go and pick Mahika Gore just because of where she's come from at the beginning of the season to the end to be making a T20 and ODI debut and picking up a three foot on her ODI debut I think for 17 years old that is absolutely brilliant and then it's so nice to see another South Asian girl within the England setup after Sonia Odedra when she played her test back in 2014 against India at Wormsley. So um, I'm going to go with Mahika and I think she's got so much potential and she's only 17. So the world's her oyster. Um, my Sri Lankan player, I'm going to go with the skipper just because I think she's the one who has kept that Sri Lankan side together. I've l- completely lost my train of track. Try thought of tra- th- I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, my train of thought. There you go. <laughs> You just lost your train of track. <laughs> oh, God. What a day. So only 12 o'clock. <laughs> uh. Right, I'm going to throw in my three. I'm going to do it briefly. I've got Georgia Wareham. And Nat- Matt's going to be nodding alongside me here because that's also his Australian player. I've got Tammy Beaumont. And I'm with you. I've got Chamari Atapatu. So she's going to have to go to your dinner party first. And then maybe to mine the next, the next day. A bit like come dine with me. And then we'll make her judge whose meal was better. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lose. <laughs> I was going to say you're going to lose anyway. So. I would go, Chamari, have you ever had the delicacy of beans on toast? <laughs> A little bit of cheese on top. Maybe some ham. Maybe not some ham. <laughs> With a big dollop of ketchup. Ketchup? Ketchup on beans? No, but you're like you're gonna have to add something to make it interesting. Sorry, you can't put ketchup on beans. I'm not saying you put ketchup on beans. I'm just saying that you need something there. Like, if you're gonna like give her something like beans on toast, you need to like at least make the plate look pretty. Like, do something with the sauce, like you're a master chef or something. Right, we're losing it. Final question. Emerging talent of the year, whether international or domestic, I'm putting my hand up straight away and saying Grace Ballinger, because I've been really impressed with her across the 100, playing for the Blaze. Of course, the results didn't go their way in in both finals this year, but she's a left-arm seamer. Her pace is getting there more and more each year. She's not the best fielder in the world, but I just think with the new ball, that left-arm seamer, of course... Things may be a little bit more difficult for her now with Mahika Gore, as we mentioned, having that height, having that left-hand bowling angle. But if the England men have shown anything with this World Cup, arguably not very successfully so far, but you can have lots of left-arm seamers in your team. And I just think that she's she's got to be one to watch out for because she was swinging the ball in such late stages of the game. She's always smiling. She also is a great commentator. So big up Grace Ballinger. She's been my emerging talent of the year. I'm going to have to swap my thing around then. So Mahika Gore would go into my emerging talent bit and then I would say... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to re, like, rejig all this now. So I'm going to stick with uh, Chamari for Sri Lanka. I'm going to stick with um, Ash Gardner for that um, game, that test match against England. And then I will go with Tammy Bowman just for the season she's had with her back. And then Mahika would be my emerging talent. Okay, we got there in the end. We've listed our players. They're all coming round to the dinner party and it's going to be wonderful. I've booked someone to do face paint and we're going to have fireworks at the end of the night. I've really splashed the whole budget. I won't. Again, this is all coming from Simon's budget, so I hope he's aware of this. After the company wellness spa retreat. Yeah, I hope he's got his checkbook ready. There's a lot of international cricket going on at the moment as well, whilst we're on the topic of international players. So let's talk Australia-West Indies, because... 
There was a remarkable run chase in that T20 series. We saw when England played West Indies in the, in the winter just gone that the West Indies really, really struggled to put out those big, good performances, particularly with the bat. But Hayley Matthews, 132 in a T20, alongside Stefani Taylor. Brilliant to see Stefani Taylor as well in form, contributing after plenty of injuries and plenty of runs where she's she's been struggling with the bat. But... You know, I know Australia won the other results. I know they've won the first ODI in this series as well. But for, let's split it up into two things. First of all, Australia, I know it rarely happens, but they are becoming a bit more mortal in the women's cricket world. No, I completely agree with you. And I think I don't think you could have like summed it up better. But that run chase, honestly, that chase and just that performance by Hayley Matthews. I managed to watch just some highlight um, clips of it. It was uh, destructive. It, it certainly was. And, you know, she's a player who has had a, a lot of times in her really young career so much, you know, pressure on her to perform because this is a West Indies team with very little money going into it. They've had lots of issues behind the scenes as well. And yet she consistently goes out there and performs so well, not only with the bat, but with the ball as well, as well as balancing playing in these franchises around the world. West Indies still always comes first for her, which is, which is brilliant to see. And arguably, you know, she's the best batter in the world right now, I would say. Definitely. 100%. Australia, that they have begun to lose a few games, which I think is good for, for global women's cricket. You don't want Australia winning every single game. I think what really got to me is, you know, when they won the T20 World Cup, there was barely any celebrations from Australia. But in that Ashes series this summer, when they were suddenly under the, you know, under pressure from England, when they won that ODI at the Aegeus Bowl, they were really celebrating because they suddenly realised that they'd been probably pushed as close to the line as they have in the most recent years. And you want teams to, you know be be celebrating and be going oh my goodness you know we had to really fight for that one so to see the West Indies come out and put in that brilliant run chase and just see Australia lose the occasional game it it shows that things are changing but I also think it shows still that this is why Australia are the blueprint and I saw a brilliant tweet I, I can't remember who to so apologies to whoever this was but saying could you imagine how brilliant some of these West Indies players would be now if they had grown up in that Australian setup with that professionalisation so early on, with that brilliant 50 over T20 competitions and just the, the depth of talent they have over there. Like, how would some of the players around the world be now if they had had that much opportunity and that much funding as well? Because you, when you look at the amount of games some of the West Indies players have played in their careers, there's players in their 30s who have only just played more games than someone like Talia McGrath who's been playing just for the last few years. Australian players have so much opportunity. And this is why they're so brilliant, for, for so many reasons, because they're ethic, because of their training, because of their infrastructure, they are so brilliant. But to see a team like West Indies step up and, and, and do that one game and how much it meant to them, you know, it, it's, it's brilliant. But, you know, I, I think it also shows, similarly to the England-Sri Lanka series, that I'm not going to say smaller teams because they're not smaller teams. They're more underfunded teams with less domestic infrastructure. 
They're challenging these bigger teams in the T20 format more. Yes, that format's more unpredictable, but I think when you're relying on one or two or three more batters a bit more, T20 is your opportunity to sneak through, get those series wins, as Sri Lanka did. You know, they relied quite a lot on Shamari Atapati, but the players around her also managed to put in great performances. I don't think we're quite seeing the same results in ODIs where... You know, these teams are struggling to bat out the 50 overs a bit more. But in T20s, we are seeing more results, more traditional results, you know, uprooted. And it's it's brilliant to see. Yeah, definitely. I think it all goes down to opportunities as well. And if we're going to look at Australia being that top side that is literally threatening the opposition, if you just look at Australia's setup from top to bottom... I think that's why they are able to just churn out talent, right? Look at their international setup, the domestic setup, even their club setup. Club cricket in Australia is very strong. Try playing a top grade club side in Australia compared to a like a decent club side here in the UK. Like it will, unless you've got all your domestic, your county players, not county players, your regional players playing, which we barely get. Regional players don't play club cricket, so. Even there, you will see you've got your international players will be representing their club sometimes. That doesn't happen here. I was genuinely terrified by you just saying the words, imagine playing Australian club cricket, because in that moment, I saw my off stump out the ground and the the disappointing tuck of the bat under the arm and the slow walk back to the pavilion. And it's not just obviously like the setup and the talent. Obviously, that's important. But just look at the facilities, even at club cricket. Okay, so the type of tracks they play on. They don't play on soggy cabbage patches. When you're playing here club cricket, majority of the time you're playing on really crap wickets, right? So you're not able to play all those shots that you want to. As opposed to if you were to have the skill set and go over to Australia where you're playing on roads, you can actually increase it and exp- you can expand your game so much more right because you're you have the ability to trust the wicket, trust the surface. You have to rely on like a July, August, good summer like to be able to go do that here. Or unless you're playing at county grounds, like you're at an edge bastion, you're at this oval, you're at somewhere somewhere like that where you've got fully dedicated ground stuff. Which still barely happens in the Rachel Flint Trophy. We've had games rained off being played at local clubs and it doesn't feel good enough at all. And it's also, I think, why it's so hard to make that jump from particularly with the lack of county system, something we've spoken about a lot from club now to regional setup, you're playing on quite poor club pitches here in the UK. They're bouncing by your ankles to then... How can you develop? How can you develop? How can you develop if you're playing it wicked? Basically, all in all, all hail Australia. But keep an eye on that West Indies Australia series because it's a really great opportunity to see young players like Phoebe Litchfield, the brilliant Phoebe Litchfield and Hayley Matthews continue just to do her thing. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And it feels like, Nikki, there has been a lot of bilateral cricket going on. We had that series between Pakistan and South Africa, and now South Africa playing New Zealand. South Africa won the ODI series to one, the first T20 was abandoned, and the second T20 is, is taking place today on our day of recording, so on Sunday the 8th. It's a really nice kind of series going on, because I, I think you've got two quite similar teams playing each other. You have New Zealand, who have been in a bit of a transitional stage, because they had that strange, I'm going to use the word cull, before the 50-over World Cup, where they got rid of quite a few senior players. You know, they still have the likes of Sophie Devine, they've got Susie Bates, Leah Tahuhu, but they've also brought on some really young talent, which is good to see. And then similarly, you've got South Africa, who have quite... Uh, oh, it's a bit of a, a messy situation, you know. We we know everything that's happened with Nazelle Lee, with Donovan Neerkirk, and now recently with Shabnam Ishmael retiring. Things have been a bit messy, but these two teams seem like quite a good match with each other. I think they're very much like at par with each other in terms of ability, and that's probably what makes the games more interesting as well. Like you just spoke about earlier, like when... England um, when Australia beat England in that ODI during the Ashes and the way they reacted for that compared to when they won the World Cup if you look back on like on your own games right so when do you feel more accomplished do you feel better or like when you've played against an average side and you've performed or would you like, do you feel better when you've played against a decent side and you've performed right like what means more so like for example if I go and play a men's game and I score runs in a men's game I'll probably and the men's attack like even I remember when I used to play school cricket you'd be playing against like Kent Academy players guys and stuff so scoring runs against them always always felt more valuable like it just felt like it was a much harder battle it's definitely right I mean as you say it's either the opposition the strength of them or the context because you know those obviously you'd, you'd feel better if you scored 25 crucial runs in a final compared to 50 runs in a dead rubber yeah exactly so if I'm playing like not to like say how bad women's club cricket has got but it is pretty pretty poor at the moment if i would i rather score 100 in a women's club match or would i rather score 25 or 30 in a men's game where i'm playing good level of cricket against county academy bowlers etc what would i prefer probably the men's stuff i'd feel more satisfied and accomplished than playing women's game where i'm just sat on the back foot trying to have to pull up and play into the leg side like it just as a player and the time you put into it you feel more accomplished that like, this is what I've actually practiced for. I want to play different shots. I don't want to just take on poor bowling and like it's not very like challenging for myself. And it's why the series has been so interesting to watch so far because some of the players who have been in the runs, you've got Laura Wolvart, Amelia Kerr, Nadine de Klerk, Chloe Tryon. There's been some really good performances with the bat in particular. One player I wanted to talk about because we saw her playing for the Southern Brave in the 100 is Chloe Tryon, who I think if I'm remembering correctly, has passed 100 ODI caps for South Africa. And there was a quote from Laura Wolvart where she, she, she said, you know, she has got better and better with, with age and experience. And, you know, when you look at it, she was almost like the OG finisher. Yeah, she's like wine, right? Gets better with age. So, And I think cricket, though, as a sport, the way it is, you do get better with age because with age, you get 
that maturity as well especially when you're exposed to playing against so many different types of bowlers and you go around the world you're touring in different parts of the world different countries even the same country where you'll have be exposed to different conditions you start to you soak all that in and there's a point when it will all just kind of like it'll be like a light bulb moment and that's when you're probably at your peak right no one's at their peak when they make their debut like you you make your debut, you go in, you've like soaked it in, you have that experience and then form comes. And if you look at international players, especially again in the men's side, you'll see that's the case. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we say Georgia Adams, she's really just come into her own as a player. Dawid Milan, a player who's been selected for England men later on and just, you know, puts in absolutely seamless performances for them. So the, the, you certainly, I think with batting in particular, you know, and, and spin bowling, I would say are two disciplines where, you know, with, with, with time you get better and better. And another player who just gets better and better. And Nikki, every day I wake up thankful that I get to watch Marazine Cat play cricket because she's just the best. She's so fiery. She's brilliant. She gets South Africa out of some really gnarly situations. But, you know, we could talk about Marazine Cat for ages. My question for you is, Nadine de Klerk, who has starred with the ball and the bat in the ODI series against New Zealand, could she fill that Marazine Cap-shaped hole once Cap does decide to move on from this national team? Yeah, like... Cappy, well, she does everything so casually as well, right? No task is too big. I think Nadine de Klerk, you're right. She's pretty much the only one there you could look at who would look to fit Cappy's shoes. But again, that's going to be so hard. Look how long Cappy's been playing for, right? That's not going to happen straight away. I think she could be under the mentorship of Marisane Cap if that's the role, the all-rounder role she's going to be looking to play for South Africa. But um, yeah, if you're going to try and comp- try and fill those boots straight up, that's not going to happen. I mean, Nadine de Klerk, 23 years old, and, you know, she, she is showing those real signs and promise now of, of being able to, to stand up in those awkward situations. And we saw her take seven wickets for the Blaze and the Rachel Harry Flint Trophy earlier on this season. You know, I, I love watching her play. She, she's fiery. And it, it, it fills me with a bit of comfort, you know, that even though South Africa have lost some of the greats recently, there are those stepping up. And Mlaba as well with her left arm spin has been so economical this season. I loved watching her play last year in England because she, she's another young spinner as well, but she has the biggest smile on her face at all times. And you know those like players who are so positive, even when you're sat in the commentary box, you feel it being rubbed off on you. Like... I, I just absolutely adore watching her play. Well, yeah, and definitely if they're enjoying it as well and they've got that energy that definitely brushes off in the way they play and how they perform as well, right? And of course, just going back to Cappy, she's been playing international here for 14 years now, okay? So back, made her debut back in 2009. So, and she's been all over the world. All the leagues she's been playing in, she's obviously toured with South Africa consistently as well. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of mentoring Nadine de Klerk and I think the thing about Nadine de Klerk is that she's hungry for it that she wants it and she wants to take on those opportunities so if you have that oomph in you to take it on and want that responsibility again it does make the job slightly easier and finally Laura Wolvert who has stepped into the South African captaincy position almost a a temporary position at the moment she got 100 in the second ODI which I've already mentioned is she the long-term captaincy solution because you know the way I look at it 
it could work either one of two ways because sometimes South Africa can be dependent on her to get runs at the top of the audit. That's getting less and less, you know, common. But would it work out in a Hayley Matthews type fashion where, you know, she's got the captaincy and it gives her that little extra push to just go in and put in those great performances? Or, you know, do you say this is a lot on her, you know, at a very young age to, to deal with the South African captaincy in a period where there is a, you know, a bit of unease, there is a bit of uncertainty. What what do you think? Because, uh, you know, we all know she's an absolute class player. But maybe that's what she wants, right? Maybe that's what she's always wanted. So we could... It's, we could say that, oh, that might be a lot of pressure for her, etc. But maybe this is the responsibility and the cap that she wants to wear. Maybe that's what she wants to lead the protein side out there and take on that responsibility, lead from the front, score those runs and be there on the winning side. That's obviously an individual's decision as well. But I think just seeing how she goes about her game and her attitude towards it and the maturity she plays with as well, I think she has potential to be in there long term. It, it does feel like there's been a really healthy amount uh healthy amount healthy amount you can tell i've been watching australia versus england what what was that oh my god apologies that was that was terrifying moment there but it feels like there's been more women's series you know better coverage better exposure we had south africa versus pakistan which was laura walbert's debut as captain we've got new zealand pakistan at the moment and you know uh, sorry, apologies, we've got New Zealand, Pakistan coming up in December and then South Africa versus Bangladesh and the Asia Games. It feels positive that as well, you know, sides like Bangladesh are getting more cricket in the cycle as well. And I I have to have cricket on every second of the day, literally to survive, I think. So I'm really happy with all this women's bilateral cricket. Yeah, there is so much cricket going on. Just if you look all around the globe, be it women's cricket, be it men's cricket, be it franchise cricket. I don't think there's a single day in the cricketing calendar where there won't be anything on on TV. Like, we've got the World Cup up now, what, seven weeks now? And then you've got, I think, Big Bash starts. And then there's, I heard rumours, I'm not sure. So you know the T10 franchise? They are... Yeah, is this a, is this a scoop? So they've got the Abu Dhabi T10 happening from the 28th of November till the 10th of 8th of December and then in December apparently they're gonna be launching the inaugural Sri Lanka T10 which I think is also going to have a women's franchise element to it as well but um, I'm not sure obviously how many players will be available because I think it might clash with the England India series I think those dates still have not been released either right no they haven't been confirmed which is it's quite classic at the moment of leaving things right until the last minute I will hold my tongue further because I I'm I want to protect my sanity and my my online presence but you know it would be good to have some dates on that series so that we can look onto them and you know leave a little star in the calendar especially if it's in december right if it's like two months away you'd like to know i need to know which days i'm watching the test match and which days i'm doing christmas shopping <laughs> it's a very reasonable thing to ask come on well i'm gonna be in india so we'll figure it out <laughs> You are, you are going to be in India, which is, is exciting. We're going to be getting some more exclusives from you. Let's call this a wrap, guys, because, yeah, I think we've broken down everything. I've got boxes to unpack. <laughs> you have boxes to unpack. I've got, now, I will mention this as well. I'm wearing my work headset here to record this podcast. And do you not think I look like that woman in the advert? You know, the one where she turns around and goes, it's a scam. You do look like that woman in the advert. Do that again. It's a scam. <laughs> I look like a scammer. I need to take this off before I get arrested. Anyway, 
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening across the summer. We had so much fun covering the, the domestic season. We're going to keep talking about these international series going on, as well as some really exciting topics coming up and some exciting guests to come onto the podcast. Keep sending in your ideas for what you'd like to hear from us at Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. And just get in touch generally. Leave us feedback, drop us a message, say what you think of the podcast. Only if it's positive, though. Remember that. From myself, Melissa Story, from producer Matt, from Nikki Chowdhury, thank you so much for listening and sticking with us this summer. And bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.